now bring you the Making Much of Jesus podcast featuring the late Dr. Jack Hudson, the founding pastor of the Northside Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And now today's edition of the Making Much of Jesus podcast. If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter number three. We'll be reading verse number 13. This is the fifth message that I brought in Sunday mornings on the cross. I'm afraid sometimes we see so many pictures that we almost think of Christmas as Christ being a babe in a manger. Well, very obviously he was, but the position of the Lord Jesus Christ today is not that of a babe, but he's that of a savior. He's that of a mediator. He's that of the soon coming king. And I think we need to think along these lines. Now, this is the last in the series of the messages on the cross. Be the Lord willing, in January, I'm going to bring you some messages from the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. Now, if the Lord gives you the strength and the wisdom, I want you to hear these messages. If you're straight on the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, you'll stay straight through the rest of the Bible. You'll understand how sin came into the world. That is the biblical way. First, you'll understand how the world came into existence, how man came into existence, and how sin entered in the world. The first death and so on. The first 11 chapters. Uh, Obviously, I'm not going to preach 11 messages, probably four, but we'll cover it. And I I say again, I can't say it enough. If you are grounded on the first 11 chapters of Genesis, you can stay straight through the rest of the Bible. So be looking forward to it if you will. Now Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 13. That's page 1244 in your Schofield Bibles. Christ hath, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that in these few moments that we have together, that you'd help us to forget anything that might be occurring, the meals that we're going to have, the friends and the fellowship. Let us just think about what the blessed Savior has done for us. Guard this time, let it be a blessing, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want you to notice, I'm going to read it one more time, not that you didn't hear it, but I want to read it with emphasis. Christ hath, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made. Now, I want you to notice that's important, being made. Not becoming, not becoming a sinner, but being made a sinner. There's as much difference in the meaning of those two words as daylight and dark. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, you don't need this, but let me say it. I want you to know I know it. I guess the reason I'm saying this. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, grammatically, I'm not sure I can give you the precise rule that goes with us. But when a person dies by putting a rope or something of that sort around their neck, they're always hanged. They're never hung. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now Christ, we can say correctly, Christ hung on the cross. We can say a person was, you know, hung by this or that means holding themselves. But if you put them to death, it's always hanged. Now, for example, if a judge is sentencing a person, he had, this is the words he'd say. 
I now sentence you to be hanged by the neck until you're dead, not hung by the neck. And I'm saying that so that you won't think I'm using incorrect grammar. He was hanged on the cross, don't you see? He cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, not is hung on a tree, it's different. Hangeth or hanged indicates death by strangulation or broken neck, whatever the rope does, or maybe both of them, but whichever happens first. All right, now that we got that out of the way, I want you to notice something else. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Have you ever wondered what that meant? I have. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. All right, you say, well, of course, that means him on Calvary's cross. That's exactly right. But what does it mean, cursed? Now, a lot of times we get our words all mixed up because these are Elizabethan words. That is, these are words that written in, in the old times, you might say. I'm saying that so you'll understand it quickly. And sometimes we think of a newer word or try to think of something that's better. But if you're going to study the Bible, you may as well get used to the Elizabethan words. In the King James Version, it's Elizabethan. It's translated from the Greek, but it's hangeth, for example, things of that sort. Now notice, cursed is everyone. Now many times today we think cursing means somebody who's blaspheming, somebody who's taken God's name in vain, somebody who's cursing, you see? But this doesn't mean that at all. It means to be the accursed. It means someone with a penalty upon them. Now, in order to understand this, Scripture explains Scripture. Let us turn now to the Old Testament, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 21. Deuteronomy, chapter 21. And uh, there you'll find the explanation, and my, what an explanation it is. Let's begin reading at verse number 18. That's Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse number 18, page 239 in your Schofield Bible. I hope you'll turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse number 18, page 239 in your Schofield Bible. Now in this, there's a lot of things that I obviously can't get to to read. I'm gonna read it, give you a brief explanation, then we'll make the application, all right? Again, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him unto the elder of the city and unto the gates of his place. And they shall say unto the elder of the city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shall thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now, folk, if you want something, as the world would say, heavy, this is it. Now, listen to me. Let me explain it to you. They had a law under the Hebrew law, the old Jewish covenant, that if a person, that is a man and his wife, brought up a son, 
the best they knew how, did everything that they knew to do. And he was rebellious. He wouldn't obey them. He was a glutton and a drunkard. They could lay hold. They could actually grab him, take him before the elders of the city, and they'd say, now I want you to listen. There were two people, in essence, on trial. Or, well, really three. The mother and the father being the parents. I was thinking of the singular. And the son. Now, here's what they'd say. They'd say, now, did you do thus and so? The parents would say, we did. Did you, did you read the Bible? Yes, we did. Did you pray in his presence? Yes, we did. Did you let him know you loved him? Yes, we did. They'd question the parents. Now, it wasn't a thing where parents just come down and say, this old boy won't, but just take him and kill him. Oh, no, it was a trial. And I doubt that very few ever reached this point. I doubt very seriously. And, but if they said, this, we've done everything, and these elders would say, I, been, I know these families, this family, and they have done everything they possibly could. They'd question the boy, and if the boy is rebellious, he was hateful to them, he, he wouldn't listen to him at all. Then they'd say, now there's two ways. First of all, we can stone him to death. That was always the Hebrew way of taking a person's life. You remember so many places in the Bible says, and they stoned him until death, and so on. But he said, there is something, there is another way. If you take him and hang him on a tree, now it didn't mean it wasn't crucifixion. They didn't drive spikes in his hand and in his feet. They would literally kill him and then they'd take his body and hang it on a tree, hang him up there. And as a result of it, he would then be the people who would pass by and see him. But God said, now don't you let him stay there overnight. You take that body down and bury it. Now, here's what God was saying. Now, where does the word accursed come from? What does it mean? God says, I'm going to give you some laws. Now, if you ob ob obey and observe those laws, the decision that you reach, I will reach also. Brother, if you ever understand the authority and the power that God's given us, it'll make you quake in your boots when you think about it. God says, now, I'm giving you a law. And I'm going to watch. And if you rule exactly as the Bible says, if those parents have in, in fact, they've done everything that God's told them to do. They've done the best that they knew how. This boy has rebelled. He, he will not listen to them. He's a glutton and he's a drunkard. All those things are true. The parents have been true. Everything's right. And if you, under my law that I've given you, if you choose to put him to death, I'm going to verify it. And I'm going to say it's a cursed I'm going to say there's a penalty upon them. I'm going to say just as you said, instead of a person dying and be put into the ground. Now, let me stop there and ask you something. Supposing somebody would say, how did your boy die? Oh, he was killed in Vietnam. He was killed in an automobile accident. Oh, he had cancer. It was awful. And we could go on down the line. All those things are to some degree noble. But can you say my son was hanged? and have any dignity to it. Doesn't matter whether the courts were right or wrong, if you have to say my son has been hanged, there is a penalty. Don't you see what I'm saying? And maybe then that, you know, some of the children become married later, they have children, they have children, and they'd say, do you remember his great grandfather was hanged? Years later, years later, they'll go back through the history and they said his great-great-grandfather was hanged. And as a result of it, there's the penalty. And God says, I want you to know that when you do, when you judge those parents by the word of God, and when you judge that son by the word of God, 
and you reach a God-given decision and you stone that boy and hang him on a tree, I want you to know there's going to be a penalty. If you use penalty as opposed to the word cursed or accursed, you'll get it. There's going to be a penalty. They'll never be able to mention that person and tell how they died without it being a penalty, without it being a hurt, without it being a curse upon them. Don't you see what I'm saying? Now notice, they had to die in the presence of the father and the mother. There's a safeguard. It'd be pretty easy to take them somebody then go on back home and later say, well, he's dead. No, sir, they had to stand there and see their own flesh and blood killed. And they had to see him as he was put upon the tree and maybe the maggots, or uh, maybe not maggots that quickly, but the flies certainly. And maybe the birds, the preys of the air would come and peck away at his eyes or something. And the parents, they didn't do it quickly. And I doubt there was too many boys put to death that way. But I imagine that fear did a lot. The point I'm making, I'm not speaking on child rearing and I'm not talking about boys dying. I'm trying to get you and me to understand the word Cursed is everyone that dieth or hangeth on the tree. I want you to notice something else. Look back at your scripture for a minute now. The book of Galatians, we're back there, chapter 3, verse 13. Cursed is everyone that, uh, cursed is everyone, is cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to play with your emotions for a minute, but listen. It didn't say cursed is everyone that sitteth in a tree or hangs by his hand playing in a tree. Didn't say cursed is everyone that falls out of a tree. The only penalty upon it was a person who was hanged on a tree. I want you to get this. The whole message revolves around this statement I'm going to make now. We have found in our studies that the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross in the midst of the darkness, fulfilled for the Gentiles what Exodus 12 fulfilled for the Jews. You remember? At midnight, the Lord said, at midnight, the death angel's coming over. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. But he said, if I see not the blood, then the firstborn is going to die. The firstborn died at midnight. In the midst of the darkness, the Lord Jesus Christ the firstborn died the judgment of sin. My sin and yours was upon him. And he died in the midst of that darkness. Do you see it? Now, we studied from Mark chapter 15, and we found the Lord Jesus Christ on trial for his life. And the Bible only says, he said 15 words, that's all. He was silenced, and I preached to you on the cross and the power of silence. You remember why he was silent? He was silent because he was a noble man and being a noble man, he took my sin and therefore he was guilty. And noble men, even if they're guilty, they don't try to rant and rave and scream out obscenities and things of that sort. And taking my sin, he became sin for us who knew no sin so that we might become the righteous of God in him. And in the midst of that silence, he was silenced because I was guilty and he had taken my place. Now get this application. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. When a son is rebellious, take him before the elders. They say he's guilty. 
And as a result of it, they watched. The father and the mother watched, and the son is stoned to death and hanged on a tree. And the Lord Jesus Christ was on Calvary's cross. His father from heaven looked down. And the Bible says Jesus cried out in the midst of it, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His mother was there. His father and his mother, because I had been rebellious, and because you had been rebellious, if not to your natural parents, to your heavenly father, and he died, though he himself was absolutely obedient, very carefully describes that in the intercessory prayer in John 17. But because he took my place and because he took your place, he took our rebellion, he took our lack of respect for that which is holy and sacred. And in dying on Calvary's cross, he became accursed from God. The penalty, you say, Brother Hudson, do you have a savior? Yes, I do. What's his name? His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. How did your savior die? He died on a tree. Do you not see it? Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. I've had people say to me, Brother Hudson, do you think it's hard to have a Christmas tree? And I know all the paganism. You know what I think about big red. <laughs> I hope you do. Every day I live, my heart beats a little more in tune with the truth of that scutter. I'll tell you that. I, he's getting more and more. Everything you see and everything you hear. And if you want to know what this world thinks about Jesus Christ, you look how the world spells Christmas. X-M-A-S. X means unknown factor. Means they don't know who it is, so they just put mass. And in the businesses you get, and the business cards you get, they always have big red on there, Merry Xmas. And they're indicating then, we really don't know what Christmas is all about. We've got this big red idol, and we're going to, you know, give our homage unto him. You know, I, folk, I'll be honest with you. Please don't think I'm thinking I'm self-righteous, because God never knows I'm not. I'm only righteous in him. I got a card from a church. Not, not here in the city. Every staff member had on a Sandy Claus suit and they had a picture and they sent it out to all their members of the Baptist church. Sent out, with all them dressed up like Sandy Claus. If you tell your kids there's a tooth fairy and you tell your kids there's a Sandy Claus and you tell your kids there's, a, there's another one, what is it? Easter Bunny. Easter Bunny. And then you tell them about Jesus Christ. They'll say, why should I take one out of four? You see what I'm talking about? I'm going to ask one question. Don't answer me. I'll do better if I answer my own questions. Is there a Santa Claus? I heard a little thing on television the other day. It bothered me so that I'm taking the time to tell you about it. And it's a girl I've never met in my life, but I like her. Um, uh, Barbara Stutz on Channel 3. I mean, as far as I know, she's a fine person. And they had a little segment on there. And it, the reason I, listen, I was listening to the news and it says in just a moment, Barbara Stutz is going to tell us, is there a Santa Claus? And I thought, now that'll be interesting. 
And I listened, of course, and it was filmed and probably did it two or three times to get everything just right. One of those kind of music playing in the background and her daughter uh, kind of cuddled up to her and she said, Mama, is there a Sandy Claus? And she went on through some poetic things, didn't mean anything. And finally she said, Honey, Sandy Claus will always live. 10 years, 100 years, 10,000 years, Sandy Claus will live forever. And I got up and I said, I demand equal rights. Folks, is that the truth? No, it's a lie, isn't it? That's what I'm talking about. And if you go home and tell him, now he came down the chimney last night <laughs> and you brought all your toys and you forget that you don't even have a chimney, you know, they could come down. I'm not going into it. Go down and stand in line and say, now honey, get up on his lap and pray to him. You didn't say pray to him. You say, tell him what you want. You know, I believe Sandy Claus lives in the heart of a lot of politicians, don't you? Boy, they promise but never fulfill, don't they? Yeah. I could go on, but that's not my subject this morning. We're talking about it. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And when the Lord Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, he died on a tree. And he became accursed of God for my sake and your sake, that we might have the blessings of God instead of the penalty of God upon our lives. Jesus is a substitute. He's the perpetuation for my sin and yours. He died in my place. He died in your place that we might be free. But we don't seem to really get it in our mind, the supreme price that he paid. And every bit of the rebellion that you and I have ever had in our hearts, every bit of it, he took upon himself and died, though he was perfectly innocent of it. Here's a question that I started to ask you people said about a tree. Boy, we can get so pagan that we forget it, but somehow or other, I, we have a tree. The tree, of course, is cedar and our fir, whatever it may be, or artificial. In fact, ours is artificial, but it's a tree. I guess the reason I like it is because my heavenly father died on a tree. It wasn't a Christmas tree. But in some sense, it became a Christmas tree. For that's a place where you have your gifts. Let me say this to you, and we've we got to go. To me, it was at a tree. It was Christmas, and God's Christmas tree when God gave us salvation. The greatest gift this world has ever known is the gift of salvation. Paul says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, not only when God gave us his son, but when he gave us that salvation. A story I've told on many occasions, but still one of my favorite, especially at Christmas time. I've read every book I could find on a great preacher, been dead for a long time now, his name was J. Frank Norris. J. Frank Norris was reared in way about down in the northern part of Texas. His daddy was a drunk. It was hard times, depression times, and J. Frank was sick. Actually stayed in bed, up and down, but mostly in bed for three years. His mother nursed him the health, and while he was down, she taught him the word of God and scripture. And I'll never forget old J. Frank. They said when he was a boy, about seven or eight years old, his mother said to him, I want you to walk. Your daddy's been down there. He made seven or eight dollars this week. He's down at the saloon. He's spent it every bit. He did. His mother found out about it. She said, J. Frank, I want you to take this note and take it down to the saloon. 
And she wrote on a brown paper bag something and folded it up. She said, now don't read it, just go down to J. Frank said, I had on a pair of overalls, barefooted. That's all I had, all I had, just overalls. He just said, I walked over a mile down an old hard-baked road. I got down there and he said, there's old bat wing doors. And he said, I pushed them open, walked in, dark place, smelling of beer and whiskey. He walked up to the bar and handed the bartender the note. The bartender read it and laughed. Hey, fellas, he said, listen, this is a note from Mrs. Norris. She said, please don't sell uh, Mr. Norris any more liquor. And said they all began to laugh. J. Frank said he went back home, sat down on the front steps. Said his mother came out and she said, honey, what's wrong? Oh, he said, nothing, mother, nothing. She said, did you deliver the note? Uh, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, what's wrong? Oh, now he said, ma'am, nothing, that's wrong. She said, J. Frank, I know you too well. Now, what's wrong? He said, mama, they laughed at me. And he said, his mama said, get the old buckboard and that horse. We've got to go down there. And he said, I was obedient, and he got it. And he said his mother came out with a long black uh, dress on like they wore in those days. Said she sat there, said she never said a word, never opened her mouth. The mile drive down there said when she got there, she said, Jay Frank, you stay out here on the buggy now. And Jay Frank said, being a little boy, I went and put my head around where I could see and said, Mama walked in. And she said, where is the bartender that I sent the note to? Said a great big old brawny man stepped out, and he said, I'm the one. And she said, you laughed at my son, didn't you? He said, yes, ma'am. And he said, then the first time anybody saw it, mama pulled out a black snake whip and said she started on that bartender. And him being a man, he stood there and took it. That's the way men in Texas do. They wouldn't hit a woman. Men hit them today, but men never have hit them. And uh, she said when he got through, she said she walked out and he was standing red welts all over his face and chest. And Miss Nari said, don't ever curse my boy again. Don't you like that? Now let me go on. The story that I like to tell. I tell that and to get you to understand them. J. Frank said, it was Christmas. They didn't have a dime. He knew there'd be no presents. Didn't even have a tree. Down at the church where once in a while they'd go. He said that they had a Christmas tree and given out presents. And his mother said, are you going tonight? No, he said, mother, I'm not going, said they. They don't have any gifts for me. Just a poor little ragged boy from Texas. She said, why don't you go? And he said, at mama's insistence, I went. He said he went and sat at the back and they'd call this boy's name and that one would call him again and again. And they had packages all piled up and said, I sat there for a long time. He said, I had on old knickers and they wouldn't button at the knees and they'd just flop in old worn out shoes. And he said, finally, she said, here's one for J. Frank Norris. He said, I got up and I went up there and he said, my old knicker slapped against my knee. And he said, I, I just felt so ashamed and said, she handed me a little package that is wrapped up in a newspaper, had cotton string around it, just a little package. He said, I just so embarrassed that all the rest of them's looking. My package wasn't dressed up like theirs. Said when I got, instead of stopping my seat, I went out the front door. I went as far as got on the street light and he said, I opened up that little package, the cotton string and the newspaper. He said it was the New Testament, New Testament. He said, I went home and said, Mama, look what I got at church. She said, I know, son, I sent it down there for you. She said, I want you to preach that book. And old J. Frank would reach in his pocket and pull out that New Testament and he'd shake it and he said, I have three times around the world. That's the kind of tree I'm talking about. I remember so well, I remember so well when I went to the Lord 
Oh, I was so desperate, so desperate. My heart had an ache in it that nothing this world, and I tried everything this world had, but there was nothing that would satisfy it. I didn't know what it was then, but I went to him. I was really going to street. I didn't think there was a gift under there for me. I'd not been a righteous person. I'd not been one that everybody looked up to and said, oh, that's such a good boy. It was the other way around. And I went to that tree. I went to the cross. And the Lord said, son, I've got a gift for you. I said, praise the Lord. And he gave me life everlasting. Folk, I hadn't gotten used to that yet. I don't know. I don't know how to quit thanking him for it. Every day of my life, I try to be conscious of the fact that God gave me something I didn't deserve. I wasn't in a royal lineage. I wasn't the son of 49 preachers. I wasn't in the, somehow the priesthood. I was just an old ragged boy, hoping that somehow there was something, there was something better than this life had to offer. And when I got to his tree, when I got to his cross, I found it. It was life everlasting. That's what I'm talking about. You see, he took my penalty. He became accursed on that tree that through the cross, I might have that penalty lifted for me and have the righteousness of God Almighty. You know, when I think about it, the gift of it, I think the greatest gift God ever gave me after that was the night God, or yes, the night that God called me to preach. It was October the 1st, 1950. I'd been saved February 22nd, 1950. This was October the 1st. I was in the service and with all due respect to my good and godly pastor, that night I, I, don't, I couldn't tell you a word he said. It wasn't the convicting powers of the message. Maybe the other messages. But that night when he gave the invitation, I got up. Just imagine him being it right just like I am. I got up and over here there was a door. Over here there was a door. It was at night now and I went through this door. I went back in the dark on Sunday school. Didn't turn on the light. And I just laid down on my face. Just laid down on the floor. I said, Lord, these are the words as near as I can remember them. Lord, you must be hard up for preachers. But Lord, if you'll let me, I'll preach for you. And God gave me a gift. You know where I got that gift? At his tree. At his tree. I got it there because he was accursed. He took the curse and the penalty. He took my rebellion. He took my disobedience. He took my lack of respect. He took my lack of esteem for him. He took it on the cross and he made me obedient. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. But the Bible says, listen, it says, uh, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, being made the penalty for you and for me. Nobody can look back and say, old Jack Hudson was hanged on a tree. But you say, my Savior, Jack Hudson's sacrifice, Jack Hudson's substitute, he hanged on a tree. He hanged there not because he was disobedient to his heavenly father. Not that he was disobedient to his earthly mother. Oh, no. He was obedient to his heavenly father and his earthly mother. It was I who was disobedient and rebellious and and cantankerous and mean and hateful and despicable. I'm the one. And he took my place. Then 
Not only that, but let me say this. I, I'll tell you another gift God gave me. Oh, I wish you had time for me to really get into it. When God called me to the Northside Baptist Church, wasn't the Northside Baptist Church then? I can see it in my mind. I'll be honest with you, it's amazing what God can do. I'd finished school and I was, I was going to be an evangelist. I'd, I'd preached 26 straight weeks. I'd preached in revival, in, that is weekend revivals and graduated from schools, from school. And somebody called me, Brother Hoyt Privet, who's here now in our church, called me and told me about a little deserted church. I came down, had no running water, no central heating system, uh, no, no, no water available on the property wheresoever, had no bathrooms, had a path and a little, you know, the old time outside bathrooms. The roof was sagged, it had tar paper siding on it but folk, God in heaven's listening to me and I'm not bragging or boasting. It looked like a cathedral. And when, when through a series of things it's too complicated to go into now, they, I, I decided under the Lord and those few remaining people wanted me to come be their pastor. Oh, what a gift that was. That first time we met and we organized our church, 27 people, my wife and myself, making a total of 29. Oh, what a day that was. I never felt like I'd have to say to someone, we named it the Northside Baptist Church. And when I'd go down the street and somebody would say, where are you the pastor? I'd square my shoulders and try to stand as tall as I could and I'd say, I'm the pastor of the Northside Baptist Church. How many members do you have? 35. And then later, 58 or whatever. Later, 100. Later, 500. Man, I was a pastor. God had given me the gift of eternal life. He gave me the gift of preaching. He gave me a church like this. 29 years have come and passed. I still can think of nothing under God's earth I'd rather be than a Christian and a preacher and the pastor of North Oh. If you preach two times, somebody's going to ask you to come preach for them. I mean, you know, take their church. I've been offered churches. I've never have seen one. Did you know they considered me from Highland Park Baptist Church? Why, to give up this church for a little dinky country mission like Highland Park Baptist Church? You don't have but 40,000 members or something. I don't know. I couldn't, why, step down from this position to take a place like that? It's ridiculous, don't you see? This is still the greatest gift God ever gave me. And then the gift of my family. Think about that. I, I wish you folk could have enjoyed your Christmas like we did. All my children were there, my grandchildren. And we didn't, we didn't play any games. We didn't sing. We, didn't, uh, we had the youngest one, five years old, to read the Christmas story. Yeah, I said it right. Five years old. We don't raise dumb kids around our house. Now, he didn't put the book in front of him. He'd memorized it. And he quoted the Christmas story. And we prayed. And we had the best time in the world. I couldn't be without a family. The family doesn't need me, but boy, do I need a family. I have to have a family. I just couldn't exist without a family. That's the reason I'm so thankful I'm in the family of God. Amen. I'm in a family, and you're my brothers and sisters, whether you like it or not. I might be the black sheep of the family, but thank God I'm in the family. Amen? And you're my brothers and sisters, and we've got the same heavenly Father, and we were saved by the same method. You can't get high class in salvation. 
I'll have you to know, Brother Hudson, here's a, here's a dear lady, she's looking down the pole, you know, got her glasses on a stick, you know, she's holding them up. Oh, she says, Brother Hudson, I worked at Robert Hall's when I was in school, worked my way through Robert Hall, that's the reason I'm stooped, that low overhead, you know. That takes a minute. I was in there, <laughs> I lived on, <laughs> I lived on the poor side of Chattanooga, on East Ridge. You, no, you're not in Chattanooga, I'm sorry. Brother, sure you do, and on East Ridge. And she came in, let's see, uh, the lady came in and she said, I, I'm from Lookout Mountain. I said, I'm from East Ridge. And she said, I just want to buy some pants for my boy to play in buying them at Robert Hall. She didn't want me to think they were dress-up pants, you know, they were. And, uh, but I never will forget how she said it. She said, I'm from Lookout. I want to tell you something. That old sister from Lookout gets saved. She's coming the same way I got in, amen? Coming by salvation and so on like that. And then I'm glad when God, uh, God, I'll be glad, God under the tree, you know what else he had? He said, now this is what you got now. And here's, here's a little picture of what you're gonna have. And I got a glimpse Oh, dear God, I got a glimpse of those golden streets. I got a glimpse of those pearly gates. I got a glimpse of those mansions. I got a glimpse of those that have gone on before seeing them. And I'll tell you the truth. This old world grows strangely dim in the light of his glory and love. It just doesn't look the same when you've got a glimpse of that. Now, I don't mean I've seen it literally. But the Bible says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for him. Well, you say, how do you know, Brother Hudson? You didn't listen to the rest of it. But they have been revealed to him by the Spirit. Why, sure, the Holy Spirit of the living God does it. And then, I tell you, there's a hope of some of them. It'll be Christmas if God gives me the mansion. And uh, it'll be the hope of seeing your loved ones for Christmas. Seeing your loved ones for Christmas. I hadn't avoided making this announcement. I wanted to make it at the end because I was afraid at the beginning it might keep you from hearing the message. We have a third grade school teacher here, Mrs. Ellen Russell. Got two of the sweetest little girls I've ever known. I really mean this, I've ever known in my life. I had the privilege of leading one of them to Christ. Five-year-old girl, she's five going on 12. She's so intelligent. Mrs. Russell teaches in our third grade here in our school. Her husband works for Southern Bell. She'd gone home with those precious little girls. She lives up in Washington, North Carolina now. North Carolina, up here. Her husband, Larry, was going after her last night, eight o'clock. His car went off at the edge of the road, hit a bank, flipped over three or four times, and Larry Russell was killed last night. She called me. I prayed with her and cried with her. I've nearly prayed and cried all night, did this morning. And she said, preacher, you tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. I told her how to get the funeral home, who to get here. Told her how to arrange about the funeral. And she said, Brother Hudson, he's in heaven, isn't he? I said, yes, I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. And I thought about this. If those little girls, if the Lord tarries now, those little girls, when they get 30 years old or whatever, it gets Christmas Eve, you know what they're gonna think? Daddy got killed on Christmas Eve. That's a pretty heavy burden to bear, did you know it? But I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, we'll have a reunion. Some of you have buried loved ones this year. 
Some of you. Some of you have gone to the cemetery. Some of you parted with that which is as precious to you as your own flesh and blood. But thank God there's going to be a day of reunion. If that's not a gift, if that's not one of the most precious things that you'll ever realize in your entire life, being together again. You know, families being together like mine was yesterday. Thank God it'll be like that in heaven. We'll be together. There's a lot more I can say and preach, but I promise you we'll be out of here at 11. Brother Schaefer sang a song, and that took up all the time. It's his fault, not mine, Brother Schaefer. We were a little late getting started too. Think up all excuses you can. Don't blame me. I, just Christmas, you know. Give me a Christmas present. Don't blame me. Let's stand together with the heads bowed. Will you do it? Heavenly Father, this has been kind of an unusual service because it's an unusual day. It's the day when it all started in our minds. When you were born, when you were incarnated, when you took upon yourself flesh, the likeness of sinful flesh. And you became sin, though you had no sin. You took our sin. And cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You took our rebellion, our unloveliness, and you died for it. You were forsaken of your father, forsaken of your mother, for my sake, that I'd never have to be an orphan in eternity. All heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder how many of you folk here today would say, Brother Hudson, I'm a Christian. I know it. I've been born again. If I die this minute, if I die this Christmas day, I know that I'd go to heaven. Would you hold up your hand as a testimony? I'm going to put mine up. Thank the Lord for it. Would you? Now pull them back down, would you please? I couldn't see every hand. Um, but many, many hands went up. I'd say by far and large a majority. But I wonder how many people here today say, Brother Hudson, this is Christmas Day and God's spoken to my heart and I, I, I know the night, I, I, this morning I'm not saved. Would you pray for me? Oh, I'd love to. Would you slip up your hand a minute? Let me pray for you. Brother Hudson, I'm not sure about my salvation. Not, not sure about it. Would you slip up your hand? Let me pray for you. Just for a brief moment. Just let me pray for you. That would be my Christmas present to you today if you'd let me pray for you. Slip up your hand, would you? I wonder how many of you here this morning, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything, but you say, Brother Hudson, I've moved here. We're living here now, but I'm not a member of this church. I pray God will touch your heart that you'll come forward and join this church this morning by letter, baptism, or by statement. Maybe there's others who need to come to this altar and just dedicate your life. You notice I said dedicate, not rededicate, but dedicate your life. Saying, Lord Jesus, now that I understand what all your suffering on Calvary's cross meant, why it was for me, I want to come and just dedicate my life from this moment on just for living for Jesus. That's all I want to do, just live for him. That's the invitation. The choir's going to sing, and as they sing, I wonder if you wouldn't be the first one out. There'll be people here with an open Bible can help you. Will you come on right now? Come on right now. Will you do it? Do what God's leading you to do. Just slip out of your place. Come on. I'd like to come. Really trust Christ this morning. I'd like to come dedicate my life afresh and anew to Him. I'd like to come and join this church. God bless you, folks.
God bless you. Others, come on. Just do what God's telling you to do. Be obedient to him. God bless you. Others, come on. Keep singing. Come on. you'd like to come for dedication, just come and kneel here. You don't need to say anything. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Oh, I never knew that he took my rebellion. I know my sins, but rebellion old hatefulness. If you've ever had a rebellious child, you know what I'm talking about. He died for that in my, for in my place. Come on. Like to join this church by letter, baptism, or by... Wouldn't that be easy to remember? How long have you been... I don't know, let's see, I joined in Christmas 1983. That'd be an easy way to remember it, wouldn't it? Come on, will you do it? Almost over. Another 12 months till the Christmas morning. Come on. Amen. Amen. Look up just a minute, will you? 7.30 yesterday afternoon. Mrs. Russell and those two precious children waiting on their daddy, looking to her husband to be there, join her for Christmas. Eight o'clock. I wonder why it is that we always feel it can happen to everybody, but it won't happen to us. Why is it? Folks, stay right with God. Stay right. Stay right with God. Then when things happen that we have no control over, then we can have that peace knowing that God doesn't make mistakes and he'll give you comfort. I want us to sing one verse, just, just one. Now this is all we're going to sing. Just sing just as I am. Now these clocks are all wrong. So cold, they hung up, and they're, it's just five minutes till 11. That's what Brother Schaefer said, yeah. Don't worry about the time, all right? We're going to sing one time now. All of us just sing out first verse. You don't need a book. And come on, do what God the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Will you do it? This is the last time now. Come on. A tree. Think about it. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Didn't say on a pole. Didn't say on the side of a building. Didn't say on a stone place. It said, Cursed did everyone that hangeth on a tree. Come on. We thank you for listening to the Making Much of Jesus podcast. If this sermon was a blessing to you, Please share and invite others to listen. And join us next time for the Making Much of Jesus podcast.